Jesus said, are you able to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In reflecting on the life of Martin Luther King Jr., it's natural to compare him to Moses, the liberator, leading his people out of bondage in Egypt by the power of God. We picture the waters of the Red Sea standing up in heaps on either side as the Hebrew people dash through unharmed. We remember the way in which King's nonviolence made a way out of no way for African Americans to cross over rivers of separation in schools, buses, lunch counters, drinking fountains, motels, homes, churches. But I think sometimes we forget that the Red Sea is not the only significant body of water in the story of the liberation of the Hebrew people. Their story really takes place between two rivers, a tributary of the Red Sea and the Jordan. Perhaps the most important part of their story takes place in the wilderness between the two rivers, where by study of God's commandments, by mistakes and course corrections, by persistent shared leadership, and by the constant rub of community, they were forged into a people ready to enter into the land promised to them. One river calls us out of bondage. The other signals our preparedness to be the people of God. The waters of our baptism are both of these rivers. But I'll come back to that in a minute. It's easy to put a person like Martin Luther King Jr. on a pedestal all by himself or to make a booth for him as uh, Peter wanted to do with Moses and Elijah. To see such a person as unique, larger than life, without noticing either that he was part of a whole movement of people or that his life presents a radical challenge to all of the rest of us all the rest of us who are also baptized Christians. In the 1930s and 40s, there was a whole stream of black college presidents, professors, pastors, and journalists traveling to India to meet Mahatma Gandhi and to study how to forge mass struggle with nonviolent means. When they returned to the U.S., these leaders wrote, spoke, preached, and taught what they had learned. This was the fertile ground of thinking in which Martin Luther King Jr. found himself during his college and seminary years. A seminary friend remembers that King's initial argument for the power of nonviolence was arithmetical. <laughs> He could see that there were simply not enough black people in America to win the struggle by violent means. So a whole other source of power needed to be found. 
King continued his studies of Gandhi's values and methods and said later, as I delved deeper into the philosophy of Gandhi, my skepticism concerning the power of love gradually diminished, and I came to see for the first time its potency in the area of social reform. Important mentors helped to continue King's schooling in nonviolence and that of other early members of the civil rights movement. Bayard Rustin helped King solidify a systematic framework for thinking about nonviolence. James Lawson, who had been posted to India as a pacifist during the Korean War, taught what he had learned firsthand from eyewitnesses to the nonviolent resistant movement in India. Lawson led workshops that scrutinized the Bible, writings of Gandhi and Thoreau. The training included practice in how to withstand being beaten and spat upon while continuing to look one's attackers in the eye human to human. This was the wilderness in which King and his companions were being prepared to cross the Jordan. They studied and practiced the word of God together. So I promised to say something more about baptism. This crucial experience that we have in common with Martin Luther King Jr. Baptism is, among other things, a kind of confluence of the waters of liberation and the waters of citizenship in God's land, a confluence of the Red Sea and the Jordan River. Between these two, God is working with us by the study of God's word, by mistakes and course corrections, by persistent shared leadership, and by the constant rub of community as we are forged together into a people ready to enter into the kingdom, promised to us and promised to all. In 1964, when King received the Nobel Peace Prize at the age of 35, by the way, <laughs> he said, I do not consider this merely an honor to me personally, but a tribute to the discipline, wise restraint, and majestic courage of the millions of gallant Negroes and white persons of goodwill who have followed a nonviolent course in seeking to establish a reign of justice and a rule of love across this nation of ours. The presentation of this award also brings with it a demand for deepening one's commitment to nonviolence as a philosophy of life and reminds us that we have only begun to explore the powerful spiritual and moral resources that are possible through this way of life. Our own font stands here appropriately in the middle of us. 
If we're not looking, we will trip over it on our way to our seat or on the way to communion. As still as it looks, in its depths are the confluence of the two great rivers of liberation and discipline. In its depths swirl the mystery of the love of God and the love of the enemy. In these waters, all our saints were baptized. Today, one of them, Martin Luther King Jr., turns to face us asking, are you willing to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized?